single play that the whole game turns upon that play. For instance, if it's a baseball game and it comes down to one last pitch, one final swing of the bat, is it possible? Can they come back and win? Or maybe in basketball, it might be a, a desperation shot at the buzzer to see if you could tie or win the game. And in football, we all can picture the quarterback falling back, the time is expiring on the clock, and he's throwing that long bomb into the end zone with the hope that one of his players can jump up and catch it to win the game. In all of those kinds of situations, we would describe them as an all-or-nothing kind of a case. It's all or nothing. Either this works or it doesn't. Either it's successful or it fails. It's all or nothing. But it's not just in sports that we uh, engage in all or nothing kind of thinking. Maybe in business. Maybe your company has developed a new product to put on the market. Now, if it sells and does well, you've made it. You win. But if not, that's the end of the company. You're finished. It's all or nothing, depending on how this particular product succeeds in the marketplace. Well, we do it all the time, right? All or nothing kinds of considerations. We even do it in more mundane matters around, around the house even. At my house, trash day is Monday. And the trash truck comes pretty early. And you either get the trash out to the street, by the time the trash truck comes by or you miss it altogether, it's all or nothing, right? And so we're familiar with that kind of concept, all or nothing. We understand the phrase. This morning we want to talk about something along the same line, all or nothing, but of course much more important. And I would suggest to you that serving God is an all or nothing proposition. It, it, we have to go all the way or we fail altogether. Uh, that's the way we need to see it. And actually, that's the way it's described by Jesus in those words that Monty read for us earlier from Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, beginning verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I would argue there that Jesus certainly is describing total commitment. The necessity of total commitment. If we're going to be the kind of disciples he wants us to be, it's an all or nothing proposition. Alright, if you have that in mind, that sort of all or nothing thinking when it comes to serving God... I want us this morning to study an Old Testament text from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. It comes from the life of King David. And in this, we're going to see that David leads the people and challenges them. And they respond to the challenge that he puts before them. It's sort of an all or nothing kind of case. Before we get into that study further, let me stop here just for a minute to thank you all for being present. We don't have the most... A wonderful weather day outside, and there are a number of folks still suffering with various ailments and flu and so forth, but we're certainly glad you're able to be here and appreciate your presence and the encouragement we gain from seeing you here today. We have visitors, and we're grateful for your presence. We hope you'll come back every time you have a chance. As always, understand that our, our goal here is to follow the New Testament Scriptures as carefully as we can, to do Bible things in Bible things, to teach a thus saith the Lord in a book, chapter, and verse for all that we do in practice. That being the case, if anybody here this morning has a question about what we're doing or why, we'd invite those questions. We'd be glad to sit down and study with you from the Scriptures. Just let us know how we can help. Thanks for being here this morning.
In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, we read uh, of a time on toward the end of King David's life in which he had a desire to build a house, a temple for God in Jerusalem. The nation of Israel had become very prosperous under the reign of David. Uh, David himself had become a prosperous man with possessions and houses and uh, very good things had happened to David. He was a man after God's own heart and God had blessed him in the things that he did. And David desired to build a house or temple for God in Jerusalem. But God made known to David he wouldn't be the one to do that. Uh, David had been a man of war and shed much blood in various necessary campaigns in Israel. And God said, for these reasons, it would not be his assignment to build the house, but that his son Solomon would build it. But David wasn't content to just do nothing. And so he decided to make preparations, to lay up things, to have them ready so that his son Solomon could affect the work of building the temple. And that's where we're reading here in First Chronicles chapter 29. David calls the people to get devoted to this work, to be totally committed, all or nothing kind of thing. And so notice the challenge that he puts before them. David, the king, said to all the congregation, I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have made prepared for the house of God, even 3,000 talents of gold and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses with all, the gold for things of gold and the silver for things of silver. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Before we talk about how he challenged the people to get involved, I want you to notice David's own personal example in this matter. Now, David was the king. He was leading the people. And so we see something about his leadership here. And in fact, I think we learn some necessary principles for leaders of God's people even to this day. First of all, he said that I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. He made preparation. He provided for various particulars that would be used in the temple. When it comes to the work of God, it's important for those who lead to be prepared, to spend time thinking and planning. You know, nothing uh, is effectively done, just hodgepodge. You know, just do this and then do that, and there's no correlation, there's no plan, there's no, there's no goal, there's nothing set forth as a means to reach an end. Uh, good leaders have to prepare and make plans for what will be done. And so David said he had done that. He had prepared with all his might for the house of the Lord. Furthermore, he talked about his personal commitment to this. I have set my affection to the house of my God. I think this is something that we'll be stressing as we go along in this study. But just suffice it to say right here, that you've got to get your heart right. You've got to be committed at the level of your heart. Other things will, will follow. Everything else that's necessary will come to pass if you get your heart right. Get your heart right, other necessary things will follow. And then when we're thinking about David's example, his example of preparation, his example of, of uh, um, putting his affection on these things, notice what he did. This wasn't just talk. David wasn't just talking, he was actually following through in his actions. And of his own personal wealth, he said he had contributed 3,000 talents of gold 
and 7,000 talents of refined silver. Now, I don't know, as you read that, of course, 3,000 of one thing and 7,000 of another, 10,000 of anything is a lot. If it was 10,000 pennies, that'd be a big pile of pennies. 10,000 of something is a lot. But a lot of times when we read these numbers, we don't really grasp the amount of money that was involved. I did a little calculating, tried to bring this to modern-day dollars. Any idea how much is involved here? It's a lot. If, if my calculations are right, and based upon the value of gold and silver that I found listed on the Internet today, David gave about five and a half billion dollars of gold and another $230 million worth of silver. Almost $6 billion worth of goods in modern day dollars now. Almost $6 billion worth of wealth that David himself personally contributed to this project. I'm talking big money, right? We're talking about Bill Gates, Warren Buffett kind of money that David was contributing here to get this job done. And so he wasn't just saying, now I've got a plan in mind, and I've been thinking about this, let's do it. No, he was leading by example. He was getting very involved personally uh, in contributing huge amounts of wealth that the temple in Jerusalem could be built. That's a lot of money in anybody's book. He, but in doing this, he set the example. And that's what leaders have to do. Those who lead must set a proper example. It's not just saying what you want done, it's showing it by example. Certainly, today we would make application to this concerning the elders of the Lord's church. They need to lead by example. They're not going to be effective if they don't. But we would also say that about any of us who teach the Bible, who preach the gospel. If our example is not right, if we're not leading by example, then our words are not going to be adhered to. Even in our families, in our homes, husbands, fathers, realize that you have to lead by example. That if you're not being a proper example as the head of your family, then you cannot expect success as an outcome. And so David here certainly uh, was leading by example. He's about to call upon the people to give, but he gave first and set that example of a tremendous amount of wealth that he laid by. Well, he puts the challenge before the people. And this last phrase down here describes the challenge that he... In other words, he told about what he planned and what he intended and what he'd personally done, but then he put this challenge before the people. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? We're going to take that apart piece by piece, that challenge. But let me suggest to you that before we do that there are lots of applications that can be made to the challenge he put before the people. I think probably the most obvious thing that we would think as an application of this Old Testament Bible story is in regards to our financial giving. And we have to talk about that from time to time. I think our giving is very good at College View, but that's not to say we should be complacent or imagine that it couldn't be improved upon. Uh, we, we obviously have some very generous givers here. But it may be that some of the rest of us need to think about our giving to see if it is appropriate to see if it's at the level of real commitment uh, that it needs to be. There are other applications, though, not just to financial giving. We, we can make application to this idea of being consecrated to the Lord, committed to Him, when it comes to the business of teaching others, going out among the lost and trying to spread the gospel of salvation. 
about our own personal study of the Word, about our faithful attendance at the assemblies and so forth, uh, there is this challenge to be consecrated to the Lord, to really be committed, all or nothing kind of commitment. So let's look at this, this last phrase here. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? First of all, notice, he says, who then? This, this commitment to the Lord has to be at a personal level. God wants each one of us. He needs you. He needs me in His service. Uh, I'm afraid too often we spend a lot of time wasting a lot of time looking for someone else who, to do the job. Uh, it, it's very common whenever a situation arises to hear someone make a comment, someone needs to do something about that. Have you, ever, have you ever said that yourself? Or have you ever heard others say it? It's pretty common, right? Someone, that, that, that needs to be fixed. Someone needs to do something about that. Well, what about yourself? Instead of thinking what others might do, what about yourself? Who then is willing? And so we need to understand that getting the work of the Lord done is most effective when I realize that I have a capacity to work and serve and I need to be using it. Remember the words of Jesus that we read there in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and so on, Jesus said. It's a personal thing. And so when we, when we think about the, the challenge of serving the Lord faithfully, we need to take it personally. Uh, our individual responsibility is not going to be fulfilled by anybody else doing whatever they do, a lot or a little. They're not going to be touching what I need to be doing. We need to look at it that way. He says, who then is willing? When you think about this, you realize that what the Lord is asking for is a voluntary participation in His work. And no one is going to come and force you. No one is going to twist your arm or compel you against your will to do something, we're looking for people who will willingly, voluntarily get involved in the work of the Lord. That's what he desires. We've often pointed out that if you go about your service to the Lord as sort of a dreaded obligation, I'm going to do it because I know I have to. I don't really want to, but I know it's just... I know I have to, and so I will anyway, even though I don't really want to. If you have that outlook on serving the Lord, the problem is that he's not pleased with that. And furthermore, the problem with that is that it won't see you through. It, it won't carry you on. It won't keep you doing those things. You can't, you can't keep yourself going when you're only doing it because you feel a dreaded obligation to do it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, Paul said, the Lord loveth what? A cheerful giver. And that has to do with our financial giving, but it has to do with everything else that we give to the Lord. Our time, our energy, our talents. We need to give cheerfully. We need to be thankful that we have the capacity and the ability to do these things. And we should be willing to do this uh, and happy at the opportunity. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? The word consecrate is an English word that we don't use much in normal conversation, and so we might fail to catch the full impact of that word. Literally, the definition is to devote or commit something to a specific use or purpose. In other words, it's the idea of setting aside something to be used specifically for a given purpose. Uh, 
out in my garage, I have a stick. It just looks like an old piece of scrap lumber. It's not very big, but it's about so long. And I don't even think the ends are cut off straight. But it's laid up in a, in a particular place in my garage. I got other scrap lumber laying around, scraps of wood here and there, but this one is set aside in a special place. Now you might be inclined when you went in there, if you were cleaning up after my mess, you might be inclined to grab that and throw it out with all the rest of it. But don't do that, because this is a special piece of wood. It's just the right length that when I raise the hood on my car, the things that are supposed to hold the hood up don't work anymore. And so this piece of wood, this scrap piece of lumber, is just right for jamming in there to hold the hood up when I have to do something underneath the hood of the car. And it's set aside for that purpose. It's dedicated to that use. All right? You could use the word consecrate. It's consecrated to that purpose. It's for a special use. We need to see ourselves as consecrated to the Lord. That we are set aside, devoted, committed to the special job of serving the Lord. And that's what David was calling upon the Israelites to do. And that's what we as the children of God today are called to do. To consecrate ourselves to his service. God's looking for people to be consecrated, devoted, fully committed to him. And this commitment has to be absolute and complete. What we, what we really mean here is that being a Christian is not just a part of our life. It's our life. It's not just a part of who we are or what we do. It's the totality of what we are uh, and what we do. We need to be completely devoted Christianity is more than just a part of our life. It is all of our lives. Who then is willing to consecrate himself? Think about this for a minute. It's kind of interesting that David was actually calling upon the people to give money, right, and things for the use of building the temple. In other words, he said, I I myself have given about $6 billion worth of goods to, to accomplish the building of the temple. So David was really challenging them, will you give things, but what did he hear say? Who will consecrate himself to building the temple? What he asked for was the people to give themselves to God, knowing that if they did that, then everything else that was needed would easily be provided. This is key. Give yourself first, everything else will follow. In the New Testament, we read an example of a situation like that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul was taking up a collection for needy saints in Jerusalem, and he was encouraging the, the, the church at Corinth and the Christians in that church at Corinth to be involved in that. And in order to sort of spur them or on or motivate them to be generous, he mentions some other Christians in a nearby region. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord, and to us by the will of God. So to encourage these Corinthians to be generous in their giving, Paul said, let me tell you about the people in Macedonia. He said, they're really in bad shape up there. 
They're very poor people, really. He speaks of their poverty in those verses. But he said they'd given an overflowing, abundant gift. What was the key to that generous giving on their part? He said they had first given themselves to the Lord. Once a person fully gives himself to the Lord, everything else then becomes easy. But until we really reach that level of commitment, uh, then we're going to struggle. And so you've got to get that right. Give yourself first. Then it's easy to give you your time and your money and your energy and your talents. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Here we might emphasize the time factor. David is saying we need to do this and do it now. It is immediate. There's the human problem of procrastination. All of us are plagued by it. It's the idea to put off doing what we know needs to be done. It might be something around the house that needs to be tended to or something in the yard that needs to be worked on or maybe something at your job or something at school that you know that needs to get done but you postpone doing it. Uh, that's always a problem. And it's certainly a problem when it comes to serving the Lord. When it comes to serving the Lord, there are many things that need to be done. We know that. But we, we tend to procrastinate. Uh, people need to be taught. Uh, I need to study more. I need to give more. Uh, I, I need to correct this bad habit that I have in my life. And so on and so forth. Uh, things that we know we need to be doing, but we postpone them. We, we don't do it. There, we need to understand, though, that there's a, an urgency uh, about serving God. It should not be put off. If I really love the Lord, and if I'm really willing to commit myself to Him totally, then the idea of putting off doing what needs to be done doesn't fit with the idea of someone who's totally devoted himself to the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We need to understand the urgency of getting busy immediately in serving the Lord. Finally, understand that all of this David was challenging them to do to the Lord. That's the cause. That's, that's the cause we're serving. That's the important thing that this is all about. I don't know about you, but I'm often amazed at the amount of time that people will give to various activities. Uh, maybe some school activity, maybe some club that they're a member of, maybe some recreational activity that they enjoy doing. And they're willing to devote huge amounts of time and a considerable amount of money to get to, to, to be involved in those various things. Uh, but then, among some of those same people, if you were to ask them to make a commitment of time and money to the Lord, not nearly as much time, probably not near as much money as, the, as they are involved with their, with their activities, their recreation, uh, their clubs, and so forth. If you ask them to, to invest just a fraction of that much time and money to serving the Lord, they'd look at you like you were crazy. Uh, you want me to give how much? You want me to do how much? They would think it was excessive, uh, fanatical. They might even call you a, a, some kind of religious nut uh, if you were to expect that much time and money for religious pursuit in serving God. But when you stop to think about it, nothing in the world can even come close to comparing to the importance of our service to God. Yet people will spend more time and money on schools and clubs and activities and recreation 
Think about that. It doesn't make sense. The Lord is the most important thing. Our service to Him is what is most important. If we can get a sense of that, then it will not be hard for us to give uh, like we should. So that's, I think, an interesting challenge that David put before the Israelites. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? So there's the challenge. David had already set a great personal example. Now he puts a challenge before the people. Notice the results. Notice how they responded. As that text goes on in Second Chronicles 29 at verse 6, Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly and gave for the service of the house of God of gold 5,000 talents and of silver 10,000 talents. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord and David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Well, notice what they did. They offered willingly. That's what David was challenging them to do. David was a powerful king. He could have come around and exacted taxes on the people. He could have said, okay, we've got this temple thing planned and here's what you must pay Here's, here's the temple, new temple taxation that we're putting upon the people until we get this thing built. And every year you're going to pay this and this and this. And he could have laid it out by law and enforced the giving in a mandatory fashion. He didn't do that. He challenged them and they offered willingly. Again, we gotta, we gotta have that mindset. We're doing this because we see the importance of it. We desire it. We're willing and happy to be involved. They did. So what did they give? Well, it says they gave of gold 5,000 talents and of silver 10,000 talents. All right, again, assuming that my calculations are accurate on the current value of gold and silver, of gold they gave about $9 billion worth of gold, of silver about $330 million for a total of almost $10 billion dollars that they gave for the construction of the temple. And think about that. David himself gave about $6 billion of his own personal wealth, and the people contributed another $10 billion, $16 billion. You know, sometimes we talk about the magnificence, the glory, the beauty of Solomon's temple in Jerusalem. Now, obviously, we never saw it. No pictures were ever made of it, but the, the Scriptures describe how magnificent it was. And it's not too hard to imagine that it really was just that magnificent when you think about the fact that $16 billion was contributed toward the construction of it. Very amazing. Again, they obviously gave a huge response to the challenge that David had put before them. But notice the outcome of that. The people rejoiced, for they were offered willingly, because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And so they were filled with joy uh, based upon knowing that they had done well in committing themselves and serving God. They rejoiced. It wasn't, well, they gave the money and the people grieved and complained about it forevermore that they had had to give that kind of money to this project. No. They rejoiced because they saw the importance of it. They seized the opportunity and they were happy as a result of being able to participate in that. I want to tell you, when we get that right mindset for serving God, when we're not doing it out of drudgery, but we're doing it willingly, when we're happy for the opportunity to serve the Almighty God of heaven, glad that we, through His Son, Jesus Christ, have been afforded the privilege 
of being in His kingdom to serve Him as our King, nothing else can compare. We're never going to get that level of fulfillment from our jobs. We're never going to get that level of fulfillment from our recreational pursuits. None of the things that people do, none of the things that so many people in the world invest so much time and energy in, none of those things can even come close to giving the fulfillment that we can have when we give ourselves fully to the Lord and willingly participate in the important work that He has for us to do. And so King David challenged the people, and they responded positively to the challenge that he put before them. That was a different time, and that was a different endeavor. But I hope you agree with me that there's important lessons that we can learn from what he put before them and how they responded to that. What's your situation this morning? Are you willing to give yourself, to consecrate yourself fully to the Lord? If you are a Christian, let me speak first to you. If you're a Christian, but you realize that you haven't been living that way, that at some time in your past you said you wanted to be a child of God, but now you've fallen away and haven't been faithfully doing the things that a child of God is expected to do, then be challenged to commit yourself once again to fully devote yourself to the work of God. Will you do that? Do you need to come back to Him through repentance, confession, and prayer? We'd be glad to assist you if you need the prayers of the saints. For those who are not yet Christians, think about the fact that nothing else in this world compares in importance to being right with the God of heaven, to serving Him, so that you can have an eternal reward in heaven. If you're not a Christian yet, we hope you'll become one through obeying that simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized for the remission of sins. If we can assist in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song. Thank you.